Are you underutilizing one of the most powerful restaurant marketing tools on the planet? What do 92 million monthly Yelp searchers see when they land on your page? Is your content accurate and attention grabbing? Are you using every conversion tool possible to set yourself apart? Yelp is here to help. Go to restaurants.yelp.com forward slash profile to sign up for a one-on-one with a specialist that will review your Yelp page and share tips to help you stand out. Again, go to restaurants.yelp.com forward slash profile to supercharge your Yelp page today. Now here we go. I had a guy recently who got mad at me because I said, hey, you're canceling your Facebook ads for the next month. Let's take the sign off the building because you spent a bunch of money on that and you know it's going to be there. Have the same love affair with your other marketing. So for me, awareness is how do I put my message in front of the right people on a more consistent basis. Welcome to Full Comp, a show offering insight into the hospitality industry, featuring restaurateurs, thought leaders, and innovators. Served up on the house. We've spent the last 15 months together questioning every assumption about this industry. What I've learned from more than 100 interviews is that a 6% net profit doesn't need to be the standard. I've collected the best practices from the best operators in the world and created a guide detailing the five steps they've all taken to achieve a 15% net profit in their restaurants. You can download that guide for free by visiting restaurantprofitguide.com. Again, that's restaurantprofitguide.com. The future of restaurant marketing is the marketing strategy of every other industry today. It's all about data. Marketing is no longer about compelling diners to come to our restaurants. It's about compelling them to give us their contact information so that we can start a conversation. Today, marketing strategy is more about them than it is about us. Leading the charge into this brave new world is Matt Platt, a seasoned marketer who's practicing what he preaches by offering more value than he's taking. Today, we discuss his most recent effort, the book, Restaurant Marketing That Works, in which he lays out the strategies and tools he uses to help restaurants scale to massive proportions. By the end of today's conversation, you'll have the plan that you need to market like the big guys do. Marketing, I think it's because it comes from my parents. My mom and dad were marketers and it's in my blood, I think. Growing up, my dad had an insurance company. My mom and dad did. They were both partners in it. My dad was the sales and marketing guy, though. My mom kind of kept the sanity in the office from getting all the stuff processed. But I remember at a young age, my dad, we had Plap Insurance baseball teams. There was like nine of them. And we all had the ugliest yellow and green outfits, like our uniform for hideous. And I remember later in life, my dad, you had good taste. Like you had Corvettes, you had Cadillacs. Why were we yellow and green? He's like, because they were ugly. You wanted them to be ugly? He's like, Matt. Every week, I wanted parents to go, hey, who are we playing this week? Oh, you're playing Plap Insurance. Which team's that? That's the yellow and green one. There's nobody else. Everybody else was blue and red and white. So just a lot of things like that. My dad was a constant marketer, salesperson, just did a lot of things like that. So I think that was it for me. And I also enjoy the process of storytelling. I think that a lot of businesses, marketing is an extension of sales. It's fancy sales. A buddy of mine back in college was like, oh, I'm... I'm the marketing director at a nonprofit. I went in the radio sales and he kind of looked down on me. I'm like, dude, it's the same thing. Like, I'm just learning and helping people find other mediums to it. You're 
looking at a textbook. And then from the restaurant side, I think what I really enjoy at the restaurant, because at one point our company, now we're hundreds of restaurants. At one point we had about 35 different businesses, car dealers, chiropractors, construction, home builders. The one thing all of those had in common was that people really didn't want to do that. Unless you're a car guy. Most people with cars maintenance. Nobody really wants to go to the chiropractor unless you, you got pain, you have to go. I did commercial construction. These glass walls were installed a month ago in my new office. I didn't really want to do it. I had to do it. And so, but when I looked at food and all of our restaurant clients, you go to a restaurant to celebrate your anniversary. You go to relax. Like last night, my wife and one of my employees, Luis, went and had dinner at a client's new restaurant and sat down for like three hours and had a great conversation. People enjoy when they're at restaurants. You have a bad day. You know what? I'm going up the street to Penn Station. I'm getting a large fry, a Mountain Dew, and the worst sandwich they have. And I'm just going to lay in my sorrows. I have a good day. Same damn thing. You know what? Good day. Mountain Dew fry. So I, I like the fact that it's something that people enjoy. Uh, they don't regret. Like we had a dentist and a chiropractor one time and like a doctor did pain management. And the only reason people are there is because they have to. Whereas restaurants, they love it. And plus, I looked at it from a repeatability. I said, what am I really good at? I'm really good at crafting ways for people to give us information. So if I can get car dealers to get people's information, well, crap, they only buy a car every four or five years. And they typically never buy from the same dealer. And the dealers forget about the data. Restaurants, I can get people to go back every three, four or five days. So I thought I could take my skill for marketing and my love for what restaurants bring to the table, which to me is conversation uh, and put it together. I want to talk about that because one of the things that I really connected with you on and one of the reasons I started consuming all of the content that you're creating is because when you talk about restaurant marketing, which is this like large, opaque, complicated thing, you've managed to create a formula. It's systematized in your mind in a way that's really accessible. And the reason you're on the show today is because you wrote a book about it, which I thought was super interesting. You wrote a book called Restaurant Marketing That Works, and you give away all your secrets. And so if the whole goal of starting a business is to make money, why would you create a book, sell it for almost nothing and just give away your secret sauce? Because for me, it's more of proving is that most restaurateurs, could they possibly take this? Yes, they can take this, create an awesome marketing plan and put it in place. I could also go to Costco and buy a steak and go home and put it on my big green and make a decent steak. I can't replicate what I get at Walt Disney Post. So if I have the self-awareness to know I'm not a chef, I'm going to go eat at restaurants more often than I cook at home. I cook at home once every two weeks. My wife cooks home once every two weeks. We eat at restaurants on the other meals. I hope that there's enough people that will consume the book and get an appreciation for the level of expertise that I bring to the table. And I'm fortunate that I'm backed up by 40 plus employees that they can come to us and say, hey, this is legit. This is valuable information. This needs to happen. I need to run my restaurant. Just like I just picked my daughter's Jeep up from their pair shop today. and had something with the wiper motor. Could I have probably went to Amazon, found a wiper motor, got in there, put it in? Yeah. But it probably taken twice as long. Would it maybe not work? That's the concept. And I look at restaurant marketing. And that's why I caught it. Restaurant marketing that works before, during, and after the pandemic. We'll get into that later. But it works. It's systematic. It's foolproof. It is, if I say foolproof, if you do it, you got to actually do it. But at the same time, it's enough in there that even the worst restaurant operator from a marketing standpoint can take it 
and make an impact. So my goal is, hey, here's the secrets. Eight out of 10 of you shouldn't be working with a company like us, but two of you should. And if you're self-aware to know that you're good at running a restaurant and you need to be doing the things in your restaurant, managing your team, back of house, front of house, making sure your toilet paper, the restaurant the other day, their soap and their toilet paper and their paper towels were out at 7.30 in the morning. What does that tell you? Nobody closed the restaurant correctly. Maybe that general manager was too worried about running an email campaign. So I think that we all need to stay in our lane. And so Gary Vee, I'm a big follower of Gary Vee. He talks about give it away. I can give you all the information I want. It's just how you use it. Eventually, it'll come back to help me. I want to set the overall theme for our conversation by quoting you directly from the book. In the book, you say, you should spin to build, not to sell. And it was a really revelatory statement. Super simple, but certainly not easy. Can you explain it to me? So think about the last time you turned your radio on. Maybe some people don't listen to radio, but if I listen to Q102 locally, I turn my radio on. When it comes to a commercial break, the one thing in common with every one of those commercials is why I need to go buy from them right now. Car dealer, sofa place, Cincinnati Reds, buy your tickets tonight. The Reds, give the Padres, blah, blah, blah. It's always about buying something. I look at it from a standpoint that if let's say I've got a restaurant, I've got Matt's Burritos. Actually, I'm, the name of our restaurant is going to be called Just Starters. It's going to open up in two years. It's going to be an appetizer-only restaurant, different topic. but just starters. And I want Josh to come to my restaurant. I can take the one-off approach and convince Josh to come this Sunday for a brunch and have some of our appetizers. Or I can take the approach and go, okay, I don't want Josh to come once. I'm not going to sell coming to my restaurant. I'm going to sell Josh taking an action to give me his name and phone number. Then once I have his phone number, his email, his birthday, I use that to sell my Sunday brunch. I think the biggest, biggest factor in the failure of marketing is everybody runs one-off campaigns. They rent an audience. Radio stations, why can a radio station charge $200 for a commercial? They've cultivated an audience that knows, likes, and trusts them that listens to their station. So when that commercial comes on, you're renting their bandwidth. I don't want to rent bandwidth. Like I had a guy the other day I talked about, I said, dude, QR codes, like I've got QR codes everywhere. I saw that you scanned one earlier because I saw you requested a guide. I get copied on all those. I want to see everything. It's crazy because sometimes I have 300 emails come in when people buy the books and scan them, but that has become well-known right now. So instead of doing a coupon mailer and saying, hey, here's $5 off, have a big QR code and said, we want to give you the best meal of your life. If you want it for free, scan this code. They scan the code. Now all of a sudden you got their information. And so every month you can use your marketing dollars and efforts to build a database, not to drive sales because driving sales is one off. It's that spike. It's the, hey, our direct mail piece hits today. Tomorrow our sales go up. Three days later, it goes down and you have no clue who the heck used the coupon. Let's get granular. In the book, you break down five steps that you believe translate to marketing success. I want to start with step one, which is awareness. The benefits are obvious to literally everyone listening to this show. But it's something that we all really struggle with, whether you're in a major city like Los Angeles, where I was around for five years and people were still like, oh, what do you do? Where is it? Half a decade later. But you lay out best practices for getting attention. Can you walk me through some of those? I guess I better look in the book. No. <laughs> you know, for me, I look at it this way. I had a restaurant tour 
named Peter Wiley that told me this a while back. They own a brand called Hothead Burritos, about 85 to 100 fast casual taco burrito place. Awesome brand. And Peter and I are talking one day and we're going over the stats of some stuff we had been doing for them. And we had the awareness, we had the engagements, how many impressions and engagements their in-store marketing had gotten through the QR codes and joining, how many engagements and awareness they had and impressions they got from Facebook and Instagram, how many emails were open, text messages, and in Messenger. And we looked at it. He's like, Matt, am I reading this right? You're telling me all of this for this one store was 40,000 impressions in the last two months? I think it was one month. Like, yeah. He said, you realize I don't really care because one thing we have on our end is we have a process of, I talk about in the book, redeemable offers that you know it worked. If you have proof on the front end that something's working, you can optimize it. He said, honestly, I don't really care at all about the redeemable offers at this point. So what he mean? He goes, Matt, I look at it this way. We have a brand people like. If you see Hothead Burritos as a consumer 100 times in the next 12 months, 100 times you see us on Facebook, Instagram, our sign, our email, or direct mailer, it's going to impact you a certain amount of business. If you see it 500 instead of 100, those 400 impressions, awareness at that level will make you come here more often regardless. It's just a fact. And so what I think happens is restaurants do not give things long enough to cultivate and people become aware. I wear orange. I have my MP logo. This just didn't start yesterday. And three, four years ago, nobody knew what the heck it was, who I was. Two weeks ago, two of my employees were going through the Cincinnati airport. One of the people at the TSA said, MP, Matt Plapp, what's up, fellas? You guys must work for Matt. And they're like, yeah, he goes, cool, see ya. What the hell's that? I don't know. They were getting on the train to go to the terminal. Some lady yelled out, MP. And to me, that they text like, you won't believe this. Like, it's cool. I see it more and more. I have friends of mine that text me pictures of orange cars. Hey, is this you? No, why? <laughs> it's orange. Must be you. All the time. I'm at dinner with one of my employees Tuesday night. Within five minutes of sitting down, two text messages, one from Chase, who details the car, and one from Bridget, who's a marketing teacher at a college. Both of them said, Matt Plaff sighting, because it's a pretty recognizable car. But if I would have given up three, four, five years ago on branding the orange, on branding the MP, that awareness, I'd be starting over. Restaurants need to understand it's not a sprint. The goal is to be in business. You didn't start today and say, I'm going to be in business in six months. It's the part that pisses me off the most is I'll sit down with a restaurant owner and they'll spend 80 grand on a sign and then go, oh, Matt, we spent 200 bucks on Facebook last week. It didn't do anything. I'm like, what's your sign do? I had a guy recently who got mad at me because I said, hey, let's get the toolbox. What do you mean? Let's go out and take your sign off the bill. You're canceling your Facebook ads for the next month. Let's take the sign off the building because you spent a bunch of money on that and you know it's going to be there. Have the same love affair with your other marketing. So for me, awareness is how do I put my message in front of the right people on a more consistent basis? Absolutely. I mean, one of the things that you talk about, and we can also use this as an opportunity to delve into another facet, but you talk about the thought that needs to go into the message. It's not just about creating broad scale awareness. It's about creating awareness with the people that you're trying to reach, your target audience and like the people listening work 80 to 100 hours a week and like it would give me pause to turn to them and say you need to sit down and you need to imagine what your ideal customer looks like you need to play pretend you need to tell me what that person's name is what their gender is where they went to school exactly talk to me about that that's a missed component 
I ask restaurants that all right now, tell me the name of your customer, your ideal customer. What do you mean name? What's his name? My customer's name is Jim. Jim is in his late 50s. He's been in the restaurant business for 40 years. He's started managing in college. He worked his way up. He owns brands now. He's busy. He's very good at running his restaurants, but he sucks at marketing. He still has a flip phone. I know what our ideal customer, I know who relates with me also. And so I think from a restaurant standpoint, if I'm Michael Castleman that owns Rapid Fire Pizza Florence, which is like a mile that way, he needs to have, wake up every day. And if he's thinking of marketing, have an avatar and it's on page like 20 something, I think. Here we go. Getting attention. It's end of page 26. And an avatar is knowing who are they? Are they, are they white? Are they black? Are they male? Are they female? And so understanding and then write it out. 45 year old female, married, work doesn't work, uh, stay at home mom, two kids, husband makes a hundred grand, drives a white Chevy Suburban. If you have all of that and you know that that is your ideal customer, and you build your marketing around it. What pictures relate with her? What colors relate with her? What call to action? What doesn't relate? I had a client one time that their large text database and their corporate office sent out an MBA text. Opening day of MBA season, come by today. I'm like, you realize like 60% of the audience uses that text who's female? And you're also in Cincinnati. Nobody cares about the MBA in Cincinnati. It doesn't exist, not here. Your avatar is off. And then when you talk about understanding it, I always use the term advertising's easy, marketing's hard. It's simple to call up Reach Magazine and buy an ad. It's simple to go to a radio station and buy an ad. It's simple to click the boost button on Facebook. One of the worst things they ever did was create the click the boost the post button because people think they click it and put 10 bucks and magic happens. No, there's got to be thought behind it. I'll tell you an example that's controversial. That is a fact. The reason Donald Trump won the election the first time, he knew how to push the buttons of people who did not like Hillary. His audience wasn't people voting for Donald Trump. It was people not voting for Hillary. And there's proof. There's He was running 100,000 Facebook ads a day, not talking about his merits, his goals, or his ideas. He was triggered on people who did not like the other choice. And it's the same thing that happened this time. Everybody was triggered on what didn't like the current choice. So advertising, you've got to think it out. You've got to understand who am I talking to? Why am I talking to them? And what's going to get them to take an action? I want them to click a button. I want them to call my restaurant. I want them to scan something. Let's talk about taking that action. So step two is building a database. And that's the action you want. It's less to do with come to the restaurant today and more to do with engage with me in exchange for this value. And you intend to get them into the restaurant multiple times in the future, right? Yeah. We have an acronym we use. It's not in the book, but it's called ABR, Track, Build, Retain. That if I attract somebody's attention with the goal of building a database, I have a better opportunity to retain them long-term. My wife, 22 years this past Saturday, 26 years total. I asked for her phone number at study hall in college, her freshman year, my sophomore year. If I don't ask for her phone number, I'm hoping and praying that I get to talk to her in a week or two. Now, granted, we were on a small college campus. I probably could have, but I took the step. I started dating her. Once we dated, we got engaged. Once we got engaged, we got married. Once we got married, we got babies. Restaurants are trying to have babies with people who have never come to their restaurant before. Like one of the chapters in, actually, it's that chapter, Attention, I talk about, there's a chart up here on page 22 
new frequent and lost customers. And it's showing the percentage of people that are new, percentage that are frequent, percentage that are lost. One of the biggest atrocities in marketing is when you're using your awareness and engagement, the same for everybody. Somebody who's never been to Rapid Fire Pizza on Mall Road in Florence, Kentucky, that marketing that might get them to come back if they were a frequent customer isn't going to work. I've never been there. Why do I want to pass my favorite pizza place to go try an unknown? Why? Here's a free pizza. Your first visit is free. What do you mean it's free? Click below. I'm going to give you a free pizza for your next visit. Now, all of a sudden, they're like, okay, I will drive past my favorite pizza place and try there. Now you walk in and that you got to wow them. But the key part of that is don't just give them a free pizza. You got to get something back. I knew my wife's name. I got her phone number. And so you've got to think of building a database from your, everything you do should not drive people to eat at your restaurant. It should drive people to give you their information. Because once you have Matt Plapp's name, phone, or email, and birthday, you don't have to spend money on Facebook to find me. You have me. Just don't suck at sending me emails and text messages. But one thing we talk about that engagement, it's got to be a strong call to action. Like if I went to you, Josh, and say, hey, Josh, my restaurant, The Starters, I want you to give us a try. I want you to forget about every Friday going to your favorite Mexican place. I want you to come just The Starters. In exchange for you giving us a try, I'm going to give you a free soft drink with the purchase of two entrees. Okay? I mean, are you going to punch me in the throat also? But if I said, hey, in exchange for you trying me out for the first time, your dinner's on the house. What's the catch? No catch. Name, phone number, email. Once you give it to that, we'll deliver it to you. You'll be involved in a VIP, whatever. Another, within that aspect, what people try to do, and this is what saddens me, because people, they come out where they spend a lot of money on apps and on loyalty programs. And I talk about in the book, The Funnel, New Frequent Lost. A new customer and a lost customer are not going to download your app. They're not going to join your loyalty program. So like I saw a Facebook ad the other day, it was a really cool ad for a restaurant I've never been to. It's like, click here to download our app and get XYZ. I'm like, I've never been to your place. Why am I downloading your app? I've got a call the next week with a brand I won't mention, but it's a brand that just spent buku money. I think it's 15 times more they spent on this app than they pay us a month to help them with something similar. I looked, I did the analyzation the other day. What we do is outperforming the app five to one. Why? Because we're not trying to get people to download apps. We're targeting a person that's never been there before and giving them a much easier way to walk in the restaurant versus downloading that. And so you've got to really understand that your attention has to be unique to certain people. And then the engagement has to get them to take an action. And then you get their name and that you've got to get visit frequency is most important, in my opinion. Because if you send an email to Matt Platt, who's never been to your restaurant, that acts like I've been there and I've never been, you fail. If you send a frequent customer your menu or a video about your restaurant, dude, I come every week. I don't need this crap. They start tuning you out. And then the same thing with a lost customer. If somebody used to come to your restaurant and openly told you, opted into your marketing campaign and told you, I've not been in a while, you ought to have a little bear that's like a gift, like going, hug me, hug me. Like, where you been? So you've got to be able to know that. And then after that, you want to have their phone numbers, number one, in my opinion, because it's the most intrusive, easiest way to get a hold of people. I'm annoyed today. And I'm on this text string for a booster club my wife and my am I involved with. And somehow they got my number. And I'm getting, they're all comments, all stay-at-home moms that are organizing this event for tomorrow night. And somehow I'm in the damn text. Every five seconds, my phone's like a Christmas tree. My email probably is getting 10 times, but I don't have email notifications on my phone. I got to open my email box. And then email would be second and then birthday's third because people love to eat on their birthday. 
Let's also take a minute to talk about the three ways to boost sales, because I think that that fits in beautifully with what you're talking about now. So there's three ways that I've heard Damon John say, as I heard John Tabber say, you've got to find new people. You've got to get people to come back more often and you've got to get people to try something different. I use the example all the time of Papa John's Pizza. Do you guys have Papa John's out in San Diego? We do. So years ago, four or five years ago, Papa John's did a promotion where I was on their email list and they emailed out a free cookie pizza. And this was the first time I had ever seen a cookie pizza. I didn't know what it was. I'm like, okay, pizza, cookie. I love them both. Is it going to have sauce on it? And I saw a picture. It was a chocolate chip cookie. It was a giant chocolate chip cookie. We ordered it. Got it for free with our pizza. It's like four or five bucks. Guess what we order every time? Freaking cookie pizza. We got two of them last week. My wife's like, why'd you get two? I'm like, why not? It's cookie pizza. You eat it tomorrow with coffee in the morning. So when you think about your marketing, you've got to get new people. You've got to get people to come back more often. And you've got to get people to try something new. Well, the biggest marketing plan for every restaurant is hope and pray. I hope Josh had a good visit. I pray he comes back. Well, screw that. I call it the plan and expect. Aim and expect. Plan is a bunch of different but aim and expect. You aim at an audience, you expect them to come back. You plan to reach an audience, you expect them to come back. So when you think about that visit, that if somebody's brand new, how are you going to get them back as a returning customer? Are you going to just hope that they decide to come back next Wednesday? Hell no. You're going to get their information. If they're in your restaurant and they walk down your register or they're at, like today I was at a Thai restaurant, I get my bill. You need to be going, hey, Matt, how was your pad thai today? Awesome. Loved it. Glad you had that. Well, would you like your pad thai free next week? Who's going to say no to that? Nobody. Of course I want it free. Cool. Do me a favor. Scan this QR code. It's going to take you to Messenger. Answer five quick questions in about 10 seconds. You're going to get a free lunch next week and a couple other perks. You're going to love it. You can opt out at any time. It's really seamless. They're going to go in there. Eight out of 10 people will do it. 92% of people will scan the code. 88% of them will give you their visit frequency, their phone number, their email. And 85 will give you their phone number, email, birthday, and visit frequency. It's a pretty good batting average. And now you have them in some type of system where you can invite them back. You don't have to hope and pray they come back. You can aim and expect. Hey, these are the people that told us they were new that came in from our in-store opt-in, let's email them this. Let's text them this. Let's take that audience and retarget them on Facebook with this ad. And then if somebody is already coming into your restaurant, how do I get them to come back again? You know what? Target the dinner people with a lunch promo. And then we talked about that increased average check size. I have increased my average check size at Papa John's by 10 to $15 the last four years from them giving me one freaking cookie pizza. One of our clients, actually Rapid Fire Pizza, on that we work with a bunch of their stores. The one owner was telling me, he's like, Matt, because we do a, they have a thing called a free pepperoni stick. It's basically like a little miniature pizza, folded up, cheese on top of it, and baked. Delicious. And they also do dessert pizzas. We do free dessert pizzas and free pep sticks. The pep sticks cost is like under 30 cents. The dessert pizza is like 45 or 50 cents. He said, what happens is people come in line. Hey, I've got my free dessert pizza. Cool. They start making it. The person behind them goes, what is that? Oh, that's our uh, apple cinnamon pizza. I'll take that. So now it gets the person behind them to order something in milk. But what happens is once you have that item once, if I go there and I eat my appetizer, my salad, and my steak, by the time dessert comes, I'm just like this. I'm done. But if I go in there with a free dessert 
knowing in my head, hey, save room, got a free dessert. I get that dessert. It's rock star. Every visit after that, you bet on it that I'm going to save room and order that $10 dessert. And so the only way you can increase your average check size is by doing it digitally because not the knock servers, but they suck at upselling. Most places, especially now, they're hurried, they're understaffed. A lot of the wrong people are working in restaurants right now because the restaurants can't find people. They do not upsell. I've been to numerous places, they've never tried to upsell me. But if I would have had a digital promotion, I'm upselling myself. So I think that's the key elements. New customers, repeat, increase average check sales. And it works because in step three, you talk about front-end sales, which a big part of that is proving that we're reaching the right people. Talk to me about the methods that you're able to use to track the progress of these initiatives. Yeah. So one of the things that in the book I talk about, I didn't go too deep into it because it's a technical aspect is you need to have a mechanism. So you market and advertise, you get people to engage and build a database. You don't want to just randomly email them and not know who takes advantage. This is what happened. So actually, I got it. I don't have it in here. I've got a growler sitting around here. I've been drinking water out of recently. I was the first client that we started this whole journey with in 2015 called Hopper House. We did a national pretzel day promotion. The guy told me that Facebook and email and text didn't work. I said, it does. He said, great, prove it, Jimmy. So we did a national pretzel day promotion that Sunday. We had $18,000 in sales come in from $50 Facebook ad at each store and from an email blast that went out. Matt, it worked. Great. Let's keep doing it. So he wanted to keep making up holidays, sauerkraut Sundays, like all these different days happen. I look back and I said, here's our flaw. Yes, the marketing we're doing is getting somebody to take an action, give us their information and walk in the restaurant. But I don't know who. They're like, what do you mean? I'm like, I don't want to keep giving Matt Black the free pretzel and beer cheese every damn Sunday because he's going to abuse it. Now I just cut into my profit. I want to know that Matt came in visit one, exclude him from that in the future and take him down a path. He's a new customer. Here's his path. He's a lost customer. Here's his path. Here's a frequent customer. Here's his path. But the big part of that too is positive attribution. If I take somebody down that path, I want to know. And so when you think about it, positive attribution is what you need. I own a house. And I use this example a lot too. Imagine I got a realtor that shows me the house. They sell me the house. I got a title company that does title work. I get insurance on it. I get a mortgage company I pay. I have a home interior person that helps my wife decorate. But imagine if I never get to see the house. Like Matt, it's there. One day, one day. Well, that's advertising. Is that you need one day. Yeah, it's going to work. I promise you. Keep Keep wearing an orange shirt. People are going to know. You want to know, you want to have that person in the airport yell out, it be. Well, from positive attribution standpoint, there's a couple elements there. Number one, you need to know it's working so that you can keep doing it. So what we do is people in our system, and you can do this with loyalty programs and other things as well, but people come into Messenger and they use our system database Dynamite to bring in one-use offers on the front end so that we can see we're on the right path. Because if I get a thousand people in a given month to give me their information for these restaurants, or like I said, a chain of, let's say, three restaurants, and that 250 of those thousand walk in 25%, we're on the right path. It also allows me to feed back specific information back to Facebook and Instagram because we're getting opt-ins from the website. We're getting people from the in-store marketing. We're getting people from Yelp and Google My Business. One of our clients had 133 people in the month of July join their VIP program from Yelp. And somebody's like, well, how's that? I'm like, they're finding this business on Yelp. Let's take advantage. They go to Yelp instead of just saying, hey, go to our website. Say, hey, here's your free burrito. They click the link. They gave us our information. Now we can aim and expect. 
And so from a standpoint of getting that attribution, the cool part about all those things, so in-store, Yelp, Google My Business, your current email list, whatever, if I drive them into a mechanism, I can then spit that information back over to social media and say, hey, Facebook, you were targeting these thousand people. I want you to get rid of that thousand, but keep these 248 that were women that came in and used an offer and were frequent customers. Find me people that look just like it within two miles. So now you're able to do advanced targeting. So you get attribution that it's working, you get data to tweak and hone it, and you get the peace of mind that it's doing. I was just looking at a client at the restaurant in Las Vegas, two locations. They've spent $2,800 with our company. They've gotten 10,800 bucks in front end sales and 3,500 people's information. They got advertising awareness for the money they spent. That awareness built the database around 3,000 and it's driven in 1,600 visits for $10,000 in sales. We know we're on the right path. And so now we know the database that we're doing retention with down the road are actually the right people. We speak about data broadly, but I really want to drill down. What data do we need to get from our customers? So we need to have number one name. I mean, I can't tell you email unless I see that on the name. I want to send an email to Josh, not, hey, you. I want to go, hey, Josh. Like, do you like being called, hey, you, or broad stuff? No. You walk down the hallway and I go, brother, what's up? That's because I don't remember your damn name. So you want to have name. Number two, you want to have visit frequency. And this is one thing too. Don't be afraid to ask five to eight questions. Now, don't be the 40 question survey that Delta sends you after your fly. Those are annoying. But if you can easily and seamlessly give people like five radio buttons, five drop downs, or we use Messenger, five little bubbles they click, yes or no, kids or no kids. But you want to know a couple of things. Like I mentioned, you want to know name. You want to know visit frequency. Because if you can build an email or text database and you can segment it by new, frequent, or lost, the new customer you can indoctrinate. Those emails and texts they get also have information about the menu, about the owner, about the team, about parking, about directions. A lost customer, you're bribing them. Bro, where have you been? Man? We miss you. And then a frequent customer, they don't need to have the stuff the new customer is. It's just high five. We love you. You're the best. Here's why. Here's why we love you. Come see us. The next thing you want to have is their cell phone number. So you got name, you got visit frequency, you got cell phone number. Next thing you want to have is their email address, then their birthday. One of the wild cards in there is gender. If you can get gender, that's great. I encourage people to always ask it. Ask as much as you can seamlessly and make it fast. But gender is a good one because how you email my wife versus how you email me is a little different. And then the last thing I want to delve into is step five, which I, again, and you brought it up at the top of the conversation. I think it's the biggest hurdle. And it's the long-term nature of marketing. It's prioritizing it. In your experience, is that where most of us fall off? I think it's where most of us do wrong, and including myself. And I say this, by the way, everything I'm saying is from experience of failure. I bought a sign today for the office that talks about failing. And one of my coaches always says, fail fast. Do more than anybody else. Do it quicker than anybody else. And find out what doesn't work. I worked with businesses and restaurants for eight or nine years doing email and text and Facebook and Instagram before we got to a point where we were like, <laughs> okay, now we have a list of the 50 things not to do. So the one thing I do see restaurants do more than others is they do use social media. They do use email and text. Not enough of them use text. Not enough of them use email, but they do it more than anything else they do. The two big problems they do is that number one, they send an email to the entire database. Like if I look at my team, I've got Tanya, who's single with no kids. I've got Lisa, who's single with two kids. I've got Doug, who's married with one. 
I got myself with two kids. I got Ashley who's married with no kids. I got Tom who's single with one little kid. If you send us all the same email, you just excluded 70% of us, whatever your message is. The second part is every week they send an email, it's me, 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 my menu, my food, my this. So the way to avoid that is number one, my segmentation. If you can't segment your data because you just have it, then split your list. Take your list of 3,000 people, put it in a spreadsheet, and every email program out there allows you to tag or import. Create three tabs, 1,000, 1,000, 1,000, and don't send the same people emails every week because people don't want to get emailed every week. But what we do is we do four times a month. First week of the month, we do an email, text, and social media campaign that targets new customers. Second week of the month, we do frequent. Third week of the month, we do lost. Fourth week of the month, we do everybody. So what happens is if you're a new customer, you get an email and a text. And we tie, I say social media campaign, we tie all of our stuff into a big basket. If you get an email from us, there's a call to action for you to go to Facebook or Instagram to do something just for the hell of it. People do it. They click the buttons. They enjoy it. So we get that new one. So if you're a new customer, you get an email and a campaign the first and fourth week of the month. If you're a lost customer, you get third and fourth week. If you're a frequent customer, second and fourth. So now you've just gotten 26 emails a year versus 52. Same with text messaging. But also we have ours, we call it smart text and smart automation that if you click the link in the email, you don't get a text the next day. If you don't click the email, you get a text. I don't need to send you a text. If you already clicked it, you took the action. That way it saves us from bandwidth. The other aspect of it is our messaging is different. New and lost customers, we're just trying to get you to walk in the door. A frequent customer, as an example, Mother's Day back in April, we did a campaign for all of our clients that sent an email and a text campaign and a Facebook campaign to the people that were frequent customers and said, hey, click the link below to go to Facebook and leave a memory of you and your mom on Mother's Day. It's coming up next month. We want to show love for all the moms. Notice what we didn't say, come eat at the restaurant. Here's our menu. Here's a special. It was go to Facebook and tell us a story of your mom. I had restaurants that had two to 300 people that left pictures and told stories about their mom. And I'll take that any day of the week because here's the key element of all this. 600 people, ballpark, 500 to 700. Let's just do that on 600. 600 people is the number of people you need to impact more often annually to increase your sales. Everybody thinks you got to have thousands of people. No, if you get 600 people to come to your restaurant more frequently every month, you will increase your sales. And so if you have a frequent campaign going, like that Mother's Day campaign, a new customer does not care. They are not a fan of yours yet. They opted in. They haven't walked in yet. They're not going to Facebook and doing that. A frequent customer is. And then the fourth week of the month, we do a contest, for example, to everybody. Because contests are easy. Hey, giant jar of Brussels sprouts. Go to our Facebook page. Go to Instagram. Tell us how many Brussels sprouts are in there. Somebody's getting a $100 gift card. We had one client recently. It was a, a jar of candy at a high-end steakhouse. High-end steakhouse jar of candy. So people go, oh, it's brand. 5,600 people commented on the post. 5,600. One location restaurant. 5,600 comments. So when you asked earlier the question, to go back to it, was what are the restaurants doing wrong? Is they're sending the same message to everybody. It's one size fits all. And then they're sending it every week. So you need to figure out how to be less frequent, more intentional, and then also not talk to people about you all the time. I came home to my wife all the time and said, hey, man, Josh's podcast day was fire. Had five clients signed up for the company. Two new people are renting space in the office. I got 225 four times on binge. 
I'm awesome. If I did that every week, my wife would be like, bro, I'm done. That's what restaurants, that's why people are done with your marketing. Your Facebook is the same crap all the time about you. Email is the same crap all the time about you. Your text messages are the same crap. I was talking to a guy the other day about his Facebook page. I was looking at it. It's a one-location restaurant near a couple high schools I know. I said, you know what really blows me away? He's like, Wes, I look back at last fall. There's not a single post about that high school that won the state championship two blocks from your restaurant. Oh, I said, there's a hundred posts about your new specials, but not once did you acknowledge the people that keep you open that just won the state championship. He's like, oh. And I'm like, dude, quit talking about you on Facebook. Nobody gives a shit. Talk about the people who you're directly impacting with food and why they're doing it. Why are they coming to your place at 10 o'clock on Friday nights? Because they just left the football game that they had for 10 weeks before they won the state championship. So it just needs to be not about you. It's an industry podcast. And at the end of every episode, I like to give the guests an opportunity to speak directly to the audience. Do you have any words of encouragement for the folks listening? It's a gold mine because most of your competitors suck at marketing. This book, which I think, well, I don't know when this is going to air, but August 13th on Amazon, it's going to go to like $6.99. It's like 25 bucks right now. It'll be $6.99 tomorrow, Friday, August 13th for a week or two to get it into the masses. Most people are not doing what you're doing. A friend of mine always told me back, a mentor of mine a long time ago, the roads are paved with gold. The roads are paved with gold because people aren't willing to do what it takes to be successful. They're not willing to get up at 6 a.m. They're not willing to work to midnight. They're not willing to carve out time for their family, for their business, for the gym. They're not willing to take the extra step. If you're a restaurant, I can tell you, we talk to your competitors all the time. We have meetings with them all the time. Nine out of 10 restaurants in every city are not correctly marketing. That means that if you start to do 10% of what's in this book or 10% of what's in most marketing books, you'll outperform them. That's Matt Platt. You can buy his book, Restaurant Marketing That Works on Amazon today. If you want to tell us your story, hear previous episodes or check out our other content, go to restaurants.yelp.com forward slash full comp. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please leave us a review. A special thanks to Yelp for helping us spread the word to the whole hospitality community. I'm Josh Kopel. You've been listening to Full Comp.